Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub on the Bloom, episode 86. Going to continue our reviews of the fantasy baseball positions. Heading to the mound, starting pitching 1 through 30 on the ADP. We'll talk about some other fun stuff along the way, as usual. And, yeah, I guess get ready for, uh, you know, it's almost Christmas, for crying out loud. It's crazy. We're, we're moving through the season. You can find me on Twitter at BDNTrick, the podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod, and my co-host, as always, on Twitter at RyanBHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how we doing, my friend? Doing good, man. Uh, getting getting back into the swing, I guess. Took took Thanksgiving off with the forecaster out. Needed a little break, and now we're back. Did the did the normal eating, drinking, watching college football, and now got my uh, initial twenty twenty four spreadsheet ready to go for our gladiator draft in like a week and a half. Yep. We've got we can we can talk a little bit more about, but uh, but no, I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's uh, like I said, it's, you know, Thanksgiving's behind us. We're in go mode. Uh, I've got drafts going, of course. Draft one, not plural one. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Finishing up the black book. Uh, that'll be nice when that's done. And just continue to plug along for 2024 now because it's going to sneak up on us really, really quick. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, it was a bummer. The We only have one real big weekend of college football left i know you're a big college football guy like you said watching games it's uh that's my fun it's going away because everyone saw my tweet on the nfl's product out there which is just complete hot garbage so um yeah hopefully baseball can come back soon real soon that'd be great yeah i appreciate absolutely. it absolutely all right you hinted at a gladiator did you want to discuss this at all or uh it's it's going to be next thursday <laughs> live on this show at 11 30 p.m eastern time it's full yeah we were gonna like we were gonna like announce a, a Gladiator listener league and and get people to sign up. And so the when 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 did you open up the league on? I think it was like what, Thursday, Friday, Friday. I think I think it was the day after Thanksgiving, give or take. Yeah, and uh, so it's already filled. We didn't even have to promote it, and so we've got a we got a full crew. Need to thank the uh, the the degenerates, the, your normal NFBC crew of of Gladiator drafters. We have. Waxman, Rob DiPietro, uh, Gialdi's in there. Dom, the bullpen guru's in there. Fish. So you got the the fish, John Fish, of course. So, mm-hmm. uh, so the league got flooded by the degenerates, which will, which will be which will be good. Which will be good. They'll have about I don't know what 50, 60 gladiators under their belt. By yeah, the they'll time take we, us to school. It'll be fun. By the time we start. So, uh, but now it'll be fun for for those not aware of the gladiator format. It's twenty three rounds. Five by five, you basically draft your team, your starting lineup, and that's it. So you don't touch it anymore. And then injuries be damned, you win or lose. So um, we'll do it live on the show. Probably have the draft board up and just talk through it. I'm sure. I'm sure the uh, you know a bunch of the even though it's not technically a listener league, a lot of those folks do listen to the show. So I'm sure we'll get some comments and and smack talk back and forth. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. We're, we'll do it right after our reliever preview show next Tuesday. So we'll yep. be done with the reviews. We'll do the draft and then I'll figure something out after that in December. Yeah, we'll have tons of fun. Don't you worry. Um, we'll have you guys covered here, but tonight we are starting with starting pitching one ADP one through 30 Thursday night, uh, 31 through 60 and late round surprises. But um, unlike previous positions, this is not as obviously top heavy as before. So before we get going, Ryan, you uh, have some thoughts on the bloom board that does definitely look different than the hitting positions. It does. And so the, the, I guess the trend on the hitter side 
was that like the elite of the elite at pretty much every position, your top five or six pretty much returned uh, that type of value. The pitcher side was much more of a shit show. Um, and I just, you can break this down. Like, so I've got the board up uh, for the YouTube crowd for the live stream uh, crowd. We've got the board up with, with the typical format that we're all used to by now, except we've got ERA whip and strikeouts as our categories, except for instead of homers, steals and average. Um, but I just kind of looked at like the top 15 versus the next 15 and just found some like interesting things about them. The reason like 15, like it's very arbitrary to cut off like who, you know, what, what that number is, but in a 15 team league, like those are your starting pitcher ones versus starting pitcher twos. And in 2023, there wasn't really much of a difference between those groups, between the top 15 and the next 15 put a tweet out earlier today, the top 15 as a group. Uh, in 2023, had a 379 ERA. The next 15 had a 370 ERA. So the next 15 actually had a lower ERA. Um, the next 15 had a higher WHIP, 118 WHIP to 114, and then the strikeout rates were pretty much identical, 9.7 to 9.6 strikeouts per nine. So it was just very interesting to see that kind of SP2, that second group of pitchers, uh, pretty much match the quote unquote aces. There were only three of the top 15 and we'll talk about some of these guys in more detail throughout the show there are only three of the top 15 that finished with top 15 value so that's garrett cole spencer strider who in the top three of course finished uh two and one respectively and then zach wheeler um the next 15 had seven had seven man um there was just a lot of hits in that next 15 group so um a lot of busts in the top 15 as well um so I don't know. It was just interesting. And I think that one of the things that like, I don't know, the trend has been that the top tier pitchers do tend to return the most of their, of their draft day price. And so, you know, kind of the big question for 2024 is, was that a, was what we saw last year, a blip or not? Um, I don't know yet, but, but it was just interesting to see that next group outperform or at least tie uh, the aces. Yeah, and uh, you get, you know, the, the early top 15, I guess you got six guys with 200 plus Ks. You still have four in the in the next 15. So to me, it goes to like the discussion points last season of, you know, you got some guys up top where can you wait because there's so many guys that feel similar and just take like your chances. And obviously you could have gotten wrong even if you w- waited to go 16 through 30. There were some really good, but also some like, yeah, well, we got some problems here. But overall, I think um, – I'm not going to say waiting was the way to go because you still got some some big boys up front, but waiting didn't suck. That's for sure. I guess no. the biggest thing for me is um, like five of the top nine gave you 200 plus Ks, and that's one thing we always talk about: the strikeouts being a big thing. Now, given you had to suffer through Dylan Cease to get 200 Ks, Nola had a down year but still got you 200 Ks, and then the top three dudes and uh, Burns, Cole, and Strider. So. You kind of you wanted those uh, strikeouts, but you also wanted the ratios. It was, it was a tough go. Um, obviously, Degrom and Woodruff were up high. Injuries are injuries. You can't do much about that. But very yep. interesting to say the least. Yep, absolutely. And so, like, yeah, the 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 busts in the top fifteen. There were so there was there were different like kinds of busts. I thought there was like Sandy Alcantara, who obviously for twenty twenty four isn't isn't pitching, but like. He was a bust in terms of performance. There was the DeGrom injury risk that everyone kind of knew about. There was the Brandon Woodruff injury, which I don't 
you know, you could say he was injury prone, whatever, but that kind of came out of nowhere. The Dylan Cease was performance based. Rodon was injury. Bieber, a little bit of both. And then there was Julio Urias. So like there were different types of busts in the, in the top 15 and that, that like, I don't know, that's starting pitching in a nutshell. I mean, it's so hard to predict this stuff that you're going to have a uh, breakouts and busts. And there were there's those different types that we saw this year. Yeah, we'll talk player to player here in just a second, but it's just fun to look at this, and it'll be interesting to compare it to 31 through 60 to see how kind of diverse the finishing points are there to make it make you wonder if it's even worth waiting even longer type thing, like getting in just one guy in 30, um, 15 or 16 through 30 and then going heavy in the next go-around. So, yeah, we'll have to kind of see how it all plays out. But um, very, very – when Zach Gallon finishes fourth at the position, it says a lot of how things went this season. Yep, the 21st taken as well. All right, let's just kind of run through the guys as usual. We'll start with Corbin Burns. Now, this was a discussion point a lot last year. Burns, Cole. Burns, Cole. Which one do you go with? One at an ADP of 15, one at an ADP of 16. Um, Burns finished 18th at the position. Cole finished second. We'll get to Cole in a second. But Burns had a, a an interesting season. 339 ERA, 107 whip, 200 strikeouts. Um, got to 193 innings after 202 in 2022. It was just um, – it was a definite step back for Corbin Burns, is the, I guess the nicest way to put it. Uh, like the K to walk was only 17.1%, which is a bit of a down downswing for Corbin Burns. Um, what's your thoughts on what you saw here? Because I wasn't as excited as others were on Corbin Burns. He still had a great – a really good season. Like you'd probably be okay if you drafted Corbin Burns there. But in the end, it wasn't what you bargained for. No, it wasn't. Um, I think we both had Cole over Burns yes, when yes, we, we did. did our. I took Cole in our two early mock, our two early DC last year, and you guys all made fun of me. And there, worked out well. Hey, hey, hey! I don't think <laughs> I did. I would never. Nope, I would never, never ever. Um, Burns got a little bit better in the second half, and like it is nice that a quote unquote down season is still pretty much two hundred Ks, a three thirty nine ERA in a 107 whip like that's that's pretty damn good um on top of that he only had 10 wins so that's why you got kind of finished 18th like that that almost seems a little low like burns burns turned things around in the second half the second half the guy had a 273 era remember in the first half it was up near four um the only thing like in the second half with burns like the underlying skills only got like slightly better um on the whole, the fastball was down a full mile an hour. Your swinging strike rate was down from 17 down to 15 down to 12 um, in, in 2023. And so, like, I don't know. There wasn't much a change in pitch mix, which is probably good. The, the, the problem that I see is, like, every pitch, the swinging strike rate was down for Corbin Burns. It wasn't just, like... You know, they they all of a sudden got on the fastball, and it's something that correctable with one pitch. It was it was basically every single pitch in his arsenal went down from 2022 to 2023. So um, I don't know, and I'll probably say this a few times throughout, but like I trust kind of the the recency bias, the positive regression rebound a little bit more than I uh, for hitters than I do for pitchers. Um, but if you if you buy the the track record of Corbin Burns, and it's really damn good. Um, if you think this is a down year and he still finished 18th, that that's still pretty solid. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you didn't he didn't crush you by any means. You were hoping for more. And it doesn't help when Garrett Cole finishes where he finished right next to him when that was the debate yeah, that going was, on. So yeah, yeah. That's the dagger. But yeah, Burns is now going around ADP twenty nine right now. So the end the, the two three turn, which could change things if that's something you're into for sure. Garrett Cole, we talked about him. He's second off the board at ADP 16, finished second at the position. AL Cy Young Award winner with a 2.63 ERA on the season to go with his .98 whip and 222 strikeouts. Back-to-back seasons of over 200 innings pitched. And he's had 200 or more innings in five of his last six full seasons. Like, that is workhorse stuff with ERAs below three in four of those six seasons. He's been absolutely amazing. Toby, he, does Carrot Cole still suck? No, he doesn't. Nope. K percentage was down this year. That is one thing. But overall, pretty darn good. What do you got on Garrett Cole? No, just I'm glad you uh, put you, you quantified the the run that Garrett Cole has been on. Like there have been, and just like, I don't know, in terms of like over time, it's very hard. You had like Johan Santana, who was great for a few years, was the best. You had um Halliday who was who was the best for for quite some time Garrett Cole has been the best if not one of the best for yeah like six straight years that's really damn hard to do um forecaster blurb on Cole is not super rosy um you did mention Bubba the the drop in strikeout rate that's a yeah from 32 down to 27 percent like that that's a lot the fat, the velocity was down. The whiffs were down. Cole is going to be 33 next year, and he has 1,800 regular season innings on his right arm. So you do wonder, like looking forward to 2024, um, at what point does this start to fade? Probably starts to fade a little bit, but probably a soft landing. It's been it's been a hell of a run for Cole, and yeah, anyone who had him on his on their team this year, like. Those numbers are are all green in the sheet for a reason. ERA whip and uh, and strikeouts and fifteen wins too. That uh, that doesn't also stink helps. either. Doesn't stink either. So yeah, he's a stud. You got to pay for him in drafts. But yeah, is he first round in twenty twenty four? Is he? <clears throat> he is uh, pick thirteen. Yes, yeah. so he's going as high as eight, as low as seventeen so far. The top pitcher off the board in twenty twenty four is the one that was third off the board in 2023 and Spencer Strider. He has he had an ADP of 29 going into the 2023 season, uh, and he finished first at the position. And that says a lot considering the fall he had. And I say fall loosely because he was not horrible, but from the just insane ace he was to start the season to the level we saw at the end of the season, which caused him to finish like fourth or fifth in the NL Cy Young, which is a little too much for me. Didn't think he should have won it, but that was a bit of a what just happened voters situation. Um, Spencer Strider was was still great. He finished with a 3.86 ERA, 109 WHIP. Then again, that ballooned in the second half. That was not the first half ERA, but my goodness, 281 strikeouts. That is just asinine when you're talking about building strikeouts for your position to lock that. Like you can take the ratio of kind of quote unquote hit with 281 strikeouts. Dude threw 186 innings. That was my concern: is how deep can he go? And he dominated in that regard. He was a beast. Um, Kato Walk was still almost in line with 2022. I don't have much bad to say about him. If anything, maybe he's just getting a little tired because the longest he's gone in the season. And, um, yeah, full steam ahead, Spencer Strider, unless I'm missing something. So what do you got on him? Remember, I mean, the only, like, 
chinking the armor with Strider was at least for me was workload entering the yep. season. So he, he did, did have I remember what it I think it was an oblique or something at the end of 2022. Um and that on top of only throwing what 130 innings in the majors last year. Yeah, that went all out the window. 187 innings pitch for for Strider. The 386 ERA, I mean you'll hear this everywhere. That was uh, I think pretty unfortunate. HQ had expected ERA like 310. Um just the best pitcher in baseball 280 K's is just so absurd 20 wins we didn't you know I probably should have put wins on this thing but 20 wins on the Braves like you get that team support and it's just uh because that was the other thing too is like Strider's only gonna go five and you know and not get that many wins well he went deep a lot he He was deep deep in a lot of those games exactly and had plenty of run support so I don't really see that changing um just hell of a year with numbers that are like Pretty much Degrom esque uh, with with the health. Remember how he, he wasn't going to be successful because he only had two pitches. <laughs> yeah, there was there, there was that as well. Yeah, that wasn't us. I'm just saying that was a big discussion point out there. Yep. But I'm like, it's a different era, folks. If you can have two dominating pitches, I think you'll survive in this uh, yep. day and age. Uh, the next guys where the downfall began, and I'm not happy because Sandy Alcantara had a definitely bad injury at the end of the season. But I am going to say I was 100% not on Sandy Alcantara last season. I was preaching it from the rooftops. Um, he was the fourth off the board, ADP of 30, one pick behind Spencer Strider. Imagine sitting there hoping Strider would fall to you. And then he goes right in front of you, you took Sandy. Uh, you finished 68th at the position, 414 ERA, 121 whip, 151 Ks. Some speculated the shift would hurt him because of the ground ball situation. There was a lot of factors, honestly, when it came to um, to Sandy Alcantara. The Babbitt did jump, but twenty five, you know, point zero two five uh, on him. But still, home runs went up. There's a lot of things. So, what do you have on Sandy Alcantara? It's just funny, yeah. The 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 dichotomy here: Strider versus Alcantara. If you would have said before the season that Spencer Strider would have more innings pitched than Sandy. Yep. Like nobody would have taken that. And it's just, it's interesting and maybe something I need to think about when I'm starting in on, on, on starting pitcher rankings, projections, whatever for 2024 and everyone else out there is like, what is that perceived quote unquote floor and stability for starting pitchers? Like Sandy was, Sandy was a rock, a volume rock for, for a few years. Like nobody was concerned about, anything health wise yes there were concerns about is he gonna you know not win the sigh again but is he gonna you know are the skills versus results kind of a thing but everyone thought 200 innings again like that was a thing and on the on the other side of spencer stride is like no way he can approach 200 innings and so maybe maybe we need to rethink what we know about starting pitcher health because uh or maybe this is just like a one-off example because the next guy we'll talk about i think we all knew uh, yeah. But it's just interesting to see like that perception of 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 volume, stability, and innings. How that can change pretty much on a dime in starting pitching, and it just makes it so hard to uh, to project these guys. The one caveat I'll give Sandy, um, since you're talking about the innings and durability thing, he threw 184 innings pitched, and that was still good for 20th in all of Major League Baseball. Yeah, there's only yep. 19 pitchers better than him, and it's like we're used to him just being this guy that throws 200 and 220 innings, whatever, like leads baseball. He still was a workhorse in you know the current MLB like setting of things. It was just the strikeouts weren't there. Like he'd go deep in the games, and he'd have like the one bad inning. He was almost going Aaron Nola style, minus the strikeouts at times. And it just kept 
catching up with them over and over again. And if you're not supplying the strikeouts like Nola did, like we kind of talked about earlier, then those ratios really crush you. And that was the, the bugaboo. And then he goes and gets hurt, unfortunately, not on purpose, yeah. obviously, just got hurt. And um, yeah, we might not. Even, I don't think we're going to see him in 2024. But nope. he tried to battle back at the end of 2023. So I, I never say never, but I don't think we see him in 2024. Let's put it that way. Probably not. I don't have a lot to say about Jacob Degrom besides the fact we all knew this was a high likely situation with the injury. Like every discussion point about Jacob Degrom was if I can get X amount of innings. Yep. And that was always the question. It's just like we kind of your how should we look at Strider's increased innings, the Sandy's decreased innings? Why are we even having the if question with a top 30 pick? Like that's where we need to like sit there and go, what are we doing with a top 30 pick? And I know I tried to force you into taking him like in round four or five of a draft. I know that was, that was, but, that was um, one of the highlights of the preseason. Yeah. But what do you got on Jacob DeGrom who unfortunately did not make it through another season? Yeah. I mean, he's just so good that the question was like, it wasn't, yeah. Was he going to be healthy all year? It was how many innings does that, what's that break even point for innings? And like DeGrom is so good. That if he's even just through like 120, 130, depending on what you projected for ERA and whip, like it's kind of worth it to do it. Um, obviously, he didn't get anywhere near there. But yeah, I just think back to that labor draft. Um, and it's interesting to see DeGrom's ADP was up to 30th um, in the main events. That labor draft, DeGrom went the last pick of the fourth round. I remember you were just, you were on me to take. Jacob Degrom in that fourth like round, chance, and I'll admit, man. like it was tough, man. If if I think if Labor was an NFBC draft, that might have been the max for Degrom yeah. um, for most of draft season. Do you remember which pitcher I took instead, Jacob Kevin Degrom? Gossman. Fourth round, Kevin Gossman. So, oh, I remember clearly because I you reminded me a few times actually. <laughs> hey, I don't win often, so I gotta when I do. Yep, gotta, gotta um, make it known. The next pitcher is a bummer for both of us because I think we're both Team Brandon Woodruff. That's just been one guy we've both liked quite a bit. He had an ADP of 35, sixth off the board, finished 56, which honestly the fact he still finished 56 to me says a lot of how good he actually was. You know, He battled injuries off and on throughout the season before the shoulder injury finally took him down for the rest of the year. He's going to be out for the 2024 season, of course. And um, it was just a rough one because he finished with a 2-2-8 ERA, .02 whip only 74 k's because he only threw 67 innings and that was the crutch that uh the straw that broke the camel's back as they say so anything on woodruff no it's just sad because like i do i do think he's a top five top three pitcher in baseball i still think he's and better like, than burns so i'll stand by that i i agree i i totally agree i mean he did this I'm speculating, but like he did this pitching hurt too. 228 ERA, 0.8 whip. So it just sucks. And it sounds like, again, no doctor, but it sounds like this is like career threatening. Uh, that's that's the rumors so on the street sucks. lately. Like yeah. that's the, anybody that signs him basically, it's going to be one of those like, here's a million bucks for 2023, and then prove it to me in 2024 type thing with like options after that. And because, yeah, people are thinking the shoulder deal, it's a, uh, like yeah career threatening situation which mm-hmm. sucks in a big big way yep now the name that every single season on every review preview whatever Good podcast God. you do about starting pitching comes up in conversation i just took him in round five of a 12 team draft his name is aaron nola and 
He finished. He's seventh off the board with an ADP of thirty-five. Same ADP as Brandon Woodruff. Here we go again. Woodruff or Nola? How did your season go? Like there's so many of these guys neck and neck that if you would have taken one or the other, like things look a whole lot different for you. Four four six ERA, one one five WHIP, not ideal, but two hundred and two strikeouts. Which I just emphasize that because two hundred and two Ks. Let me like just sort through this for you real quick because I have the innings page up here. Strikeouts wise, there were two. two, two. There were 17 pitchers with 200 or more Ks. That uh, stretches things out quite a bit for you. And Nola did it in 193 innings. Uh, he's got 180 or more innings in six or five straight seasons. He's a he's a beast. And uh, I know it was a rough up and go up and down season for him, but I'm still Team Nola, obviously. So what do you have on Aaron Nola? Just if you draft Aaron Nola next year, like don't don't watch track your, your teams. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like do watch. not watch do not watch him pitch. Do not look at his box score. It will be the NOLA line of like six innings, scoreless through five, of course. Six innings, four earned, three homers, one walk, and like eight Ks. Like that is that is Aaron NOLA in a nutshell. And the interesting thing for as much as like, as uh, I was certainly one of them, anyone had NOLA on their team, with, I mean, frustrating is like the adjective that, that comes to mind for as frustrating as Aaron Nola was still finished as a top 30 pitcher still had a 115 whip, which is, which is pretty good. Still had those 200 Ks. Like you said, Bob, and still had those 12 wins. So it was really like the ERA and maybe a few more wins that we could have had, but like for a quote unquote down frustrating year, if we think this is Aaron Nola's uh, floor, like, I'm probably back in again next year. Oh, yeah. and as much as that pains me to say, um, like just think of what happened in, in 2022 with, with pretty similar skills, a little bit worse strikeout to walk, but uh, I don't know. He's just so damn stable. Um, yep, Consistency is huge back in Philadelphia. Yep. ADP at 57. Like, how do you not like that? <laughs> I'm just saying it's so uh, the ADP he, has dropped quite. That's interesting. Cause it was, so it went from 35 last year to 57. So yep. far he's getting a drop. He's gone as low as 83 in some drafts. Yeah. So it's hard for me to say no, like he's going right next to Tariq Skubal and Pablo Lopez. So yeah, that I says mean, a lot. I think I'd go Nola Lopez, maybe Lopez, but that's uh, yeah. It's tough. Also, how it's we tough. draft, but yeah, I'd, I'd be. I'm. I'm back in on a fourth, fifth round Aranola. Heck yeah! That like that good. stability is so nice in these early rounds. It's like one of the, to me, one of the early takeaways. Just looking at the the total top thirty board, there's certain stability guys where you can almost pencil like a window of these numbers, and you you know like unless something crazy happens, like an injury, you're gonna get something in this ballpark. And Nola's that dude, so I'm on board with that as well. The eighth pitcher off the board, ADP of forty, finished forty first in the position is. Shane McClanahan, guy I was out on last season because I was worried about the injuries that he kind of had towards the end of 2022 and things resurfaced in 2023. He had a 3290 ERA, 1-8, 1-1-8 whip, 121 strikeouts. So he was pitching well, all things considered, 115 innings pitched, but it was just, you know, the walk rate jumped. So what do you have on Shane McClanahan? It was a little bit of a ticking time bomb. I think everyone kind of knew it was coming. It was just when. And I think people who took who took the leap probably were pretty happy with it, even though McClanahan finished 41st. Like he did that in what two thirds of a season. Um, I know, like 
replacement level pitching is really, really bad, especially in 15 team leagues. Uh, so a lot of it depends what you did with McClanahan and how deep your staff was once that uh, once that injury hit. But kind of, I don't know, this is what I expected, I think. Just just pretty dominant stuff, but the injury was going to come at some point. Yeah, that's pretty darn accurate there. And the next guy, don't have a lot to say here. Dylan Cease, 42nd ADP, 42 ADP, ninth off the board, finished with 70, uh, ranked 79th. 4580 ERA, 142 whip, 214 Ks, which was nice. Yeah, I got nothing for you. Yeah, how the hell do you finish 79th with 214 Ks? Because the ERA and <laughs> the ERA, uh, the whip, seven yeah, wins. The, yeah, it's seven wins. Everything else that sucked along the lines of Dylan Cease, that'd be my guess. Yeah, and actually, a 142 whip is is actually like for those many innings is really that's bad. a killer. Exactly. Exactly. Great point. Uh, over 177 innings, that that whip is, uh, and even the ERA, but he's definitely the whip. That's that's rough to uh, Can't come back that. from. Yep. Very difficult to overcome unless you somehow grab like Garrett Cole and a bunch of great closers. Um, otherwise, you're in trouble in a big, big way. Yeah. Now we get to a fun one because I get I got a mixed feelings on Justin Verlander, forty third ADP, tenth pitcher off the board. He finished twenty third though. Like he was not like an ace, but he was good. A three two two ERA, one one three uh, WHIP, only one hundred and forty four strikeouts. Obviously missed the start of the season. Like he slow started the season, only threw one hundred sixty two innings. This kind of might be who he is now. Looking at back to back seasons with Justin Verlander. But what are your thoughts on what we got with Verlander? Because he's not that like ace, ace apparently, but could be a nice SP three. I guess like he'll be forty one next year, and the skills are like more pretend to a mid fours ERA guy. Like I probably could have said this three years ago, four years ago, but at some point it's gonna catch up to him. Like he'll be forty one next year. I I don't know. I don't know. A good year, and like the dude proves me wrong all the time. And I, I would have predicted a worse finish than twenty third, especially with the early season injury. Like it's damn impressive what he's doing. I don't know how he's doing it, but he is. Yep. Speaking of another veteran pitcher who kind of this is who he is now is Max Scherzer. He was the eleventh pitcher off the board, finished twenty second, three seven seven ERA, one one two WHIP, one hundred seventy four Ks, one hundred fifty two innings. He had one hundred forty five innings the year before. Back issues have been bug- bugging him, shoulder, elbow, something all the time, lingering. But he's about a 158-pitched guy, it feels like, right now. So what's your thoughts on Max Scherzer? It was funny, the uh, debates back and forth between Verlander and Scherzer. It was like, which old guy are you going to take? And they had the same ADP, and they pretty much same, finished right next to each other. Um, I don't know if I, who I have more faith in next year, Scherzer or Verlander. Probably Scherzer because it felt like when he was at least kind of healthy, he dominated. He, more. he can he could shove when he's when he's actually yeah, it's healthy. just when he healthy is the problem. Yeah, and it's almost like with Scherzer, it's the injuries are like I don't know, a couple weeks at a time. It's not a and he's back and when he pitches, he's fine. So like, yeah, probably Scherzer, but I don't know. I'm just concerned about both of them, but yeah, it's a it's a tricky situation to say the least with the old timers. Carlos Rodon, I got nothing. Dude. I don't even know why people took chances on him with the injury already going on, but it never got better. Good God. 685 ERA. He actually threw some innings, didn't he? 
Yeah, he threw more than you'd expect, but man, you'd probably rather be through. You'd rather not. Yeah, yeah it he was threw 64. sixty-four innings. I mean, not a K per inning. Like that's not bad, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just ignore the deep red. It's not the deepest red on this page. Uh, probably should be. I probably yeah, shouldn't have because Robbie, Robbie Ray got hurt but... so early. Probably should yeah. give it to Carlos Rodon yeah. or Alec yeah. Manoa. Let's be honest. <laughs> that's true. Rodon was no, uh, no. Manoa was worse. Manoa they were both. Was much worse. I wonder how many uh, teams had both. Poo, and Manoa. Poo, poo. People that probably stopped looking at their teams about May, yep, June. I, I probably would have too. Yeah. All right. Zach Wheeler. This is the fun one for me, at least, just because, you know, ADP is the 13th off the board, had a 54 ADP, kind of where Aaron Nola is going this year, close to it. Finished eighth at the starting pitching position, 361 ERA, 108 whip. 212 strikeouts in 192 innings pitched. He has been a workhorse, uh, a ratio. Like that was his worst ERA since 2019. He had a sub three ERA for three straight seasons. He has been nothing short of outstanding. And this continues to, it feels like just kind of gets overlooked at the position, but he's a dang beast. His ADP is at 30 right now. So what do you got on Zach Wheeler? Yeah. Like I, I, I would definitely take Wheeler at, at that price, I think Wheeler is is a top five guy given the combination of stability. Again, what we think of stability, given my Sandy uh, Contra talk earlier, but uh, no, it's just I mean you nailed it with the with the intro. Like to have a have a sub three RA for three years in a row, and really the skills this year were just as good, if not better, than they were during that run. So um, the only difference was like he didn't get as many ground balls. Uh, we literally threw a lot more fly or induced a lot more fly balls, I should say. But uh, swinging strike rate was up two points. Like he's he's um, showing no signs of slowing down. No, he was a he was on a few bloom boards about the halfway point of the season. Like by low, he was a big second or, half. Yeah. yeah, like how how did he actually do in the second half? Uh, pretty uh, good. Pretty yeah, good. he did. Yeah, he did pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about what you got from Shane, uh, from Zach Wheeler in that situation. I would be worried about the next guy though, Shane Bieber, 56th, 56 ADP, 14 pitcher, finished 90th at the position. Remember, he was picked 14th at the position, finished 90th at the position. 380 ERA, one two three WHIP, 107 Ks. Back to back years where the strikeouts just plummeted, battled injuries last season. Uh, it was dreadful. If you took a chance on Shane Bieber, it obviously stung. And like, he was dropped in some leagues. It got that bad. This is almost like the uh, the uh, Jordan Alvarez, Greg Oden of pitchers. Like I feel, I feel like Shane Bieber's like thirty eight years old. Yeah, he does feel He's old. Twenty eight. Yeah, that's um, why he was rumored in trades as of th- Tuesday. It was crazy. He pitched like I probably think he's old because he's like falling apart. I mean, everything fell apart last year. Everything you mentioned the drop in K's swing strike rate. So this trend, this trend in whiffs from Bieber, 18% in 2020, which was that like magical year when he was the best player in all of fantasy in the COVID season, went from 18 down to 16, down to 14, down to 10. Velocity in a similar decline. Like it's it's tough. And this is where I say with pitchers, like I don't bet on that positive bounce back because you tack on the injuries like these guys can just fall apart a lot more often than they just get it back together so uh faith in shane bieber is uh quite low at the moment 
No, no, you don't need to have faith in Shane Bieber anymore. Just kind of pass on that one, see where he goes, and enjoy the younger Cleveland Guardians, which we'll talk about on a later episode of the show. Um, Julio Urias, don't have a lot to say here. He finished 53rd of the position as the 15th pitcher off the board. Injured season, bad season, might not ever see him again. So I have nothing really to say about him. Yeah, it was was off the rails on the field, and then obviously off the field it was even worse. So – who knows if we see him next year? I have no no clue at this point. Yep, no clue at all. But the guy we will talk about next was the 16th pitcher off the board, finished My man. position. Your man, ADP of 59, 316 ERA, 118 whip, 237. Wonderful strikeouts and 185 innings pitch. That is Kevin Gossman, who was in the running for the Cy Young for a while there, but he's continued to put together great seasons ever since he came over to the Giants and now goes to Toronto. It's amazing to get out of Pittsburgh and Baltimore and see how things go for you. So, um, Gossman's been great. I don't have a ton to say, but he's your man, so I bet you got something nice to say about him. Uh, no, just just to thank you to Mr. Gossman for uh, <laughs> for doing some things. Doing some he was, things. He was one of the guys who, do you remember, um, I guess in spring training with the pitch clock, he was saying he had to rework his, his yep. delivery and – it was it was a concern. Or I don't know if it was a concern for him. It was a concern amongst the the community, um, and that obviously didn't like he hit the ground running. He had a couple blowups. He had a I, I just remember he had some Aaron Nola in him. He had a seven earned run thing in April, eight earned run game in May. I think he had a couple other six earned run games. Like he had some bumps in the road, but um, yeah, just a hell of a year. Yeah. I don't know how he only got twelve wins on the damn Blue Jays. They yeah, well, the Blue Jays, hit Blue Jays offense as a whole pitching. sucked. Yeah. That was that was part of it. But yeah, you mentioned the bad outings. He also had just stretches of just dominance where nothing Dude, could oh, be touched. It was, yeah. it was just like art. art. He had he had he had more double digit strikeout games. I'll say than like yeah. six earned run games. Like yeah, much more good than bad. There's many tweets out there updating like how many double digit K games. He had. It was just insane. What. Kevin Gossman was doing, and uh, yeah, hopefully he can continue to do that in 2024. He had nine, so almost a third of his starts were double digit. That's an insane. Just to think about that out loud, it's you know Strider probably had like two thirds of his starts doing it, but he's a different beast as well. Um, Christian Javier, ADP of 61, and here's we're gonna have a good comparison with the next guy because they both have the same ADP and how things could have changed for your teams. Uh, Christian Javier, yeah. 17th ADP, finished 58th at the position, 4.56 ERA, 1.27 whip, 159 Ks. He managed to throw 162 innings, made 31 starts, so that's all fine and dandy. But the, the guy we saw with the big strikeout stuff the previous two seasons, that disappeared. The ratios disappeared. It was like a – he looked lost at times on the mound, honestly, just kind of watching things. Um, I didn't know what to – like he finished – the postseason was better. Let's put it that way. But uh, it was a rough go for Christian Javier. The postseason was better. Uh, well, I think he finished. No, he did not. Oh, my God. He had a 5'11 ERA in September, 6'17. Yeah, it was August. brutal. Like We Jesus. talked about it many times on this show, I think, about people kept asking questions. Should I drop him? Should I drop him? Do you want this guy over this guy? Stay? Like There were cease versus Javier questions I think, at one point in time. Yeah, I'm going to throw up the – Throw up the L here. I I was a big Javier. I loved Javier too. It was it was tough. It was one of those guys too that I thought just such an extreme extreme fly ball guy that I thought the ERA estimators were kind of hurting him a little bit too much and the projections were hurting him a little too much for 
for the home run risk. Um, but no, it it was it was bad to lose ten points in strikeout rate has to be one of the one of the largest drops in um in all of baseball. That, that's probably a bloom board I'll cook up in this draft season. And Javier probably will be on many of those bad ones because it I mean it was just as ugly beneath the surface as as above it. Yeah, be interesting to see how that one pans out. Now to the guy that also had an ADP of 61, 18th pitcher off the board, finished sixth at the position. Yeah. So the Javier versus Luis Castillo dilemma. Like there's been a few of these. It's kind of fun. And everyone Gossman. Makes, I mean, yeah, Javier sandwich. Yeah. See, everyone make everyone like goes, why is everyone doing this person versus this person debates? Well, this is why. <laughs> this, these it matters, the dude. Why. It totally yeah. matters. Like your season totally changes. I mean, you've mentioned this a few times, like the Strider versus Sandy, 29 and 30. ADP Wheeler versus Bieber versus Rodon versus Nola Woodruff versus Nola Gaussman Castillo versus Javier like it totally matters how you do especially on the pitching side because like and I'll I say for I'm still reeling from the Trevor Rogers disaster of 2022 it totally matters who you pick in these first six rounds um and obviously obviously it matters but like it can it can totally screw up your team if you don't get these right. So that's why it is important to uh, compare these guys. Yeah, Castillo, 3-3-4 ERA, 1-1 whip. And that was always a thing with him is whip issues. Not in Seattle, folks. 219 strikeouts and 197 career-high innings. He was amazing. And so far with the Mariners has been nothing short of great. Um, And I don't see a whole lot changing for a guy that's going to be only 31 this next year. Yeah, like uh, yeah, the Seattle version. I I don't have the split in front of me, but the Seattle version of Luis Castillo, Castillo just getting out of Great American Small Park, getting away from that defense. That when Castillo was there, defense is a little bit better now. But when Castillo was there, it was it was it was Eugenio Suarez playing shortstop. So we'll Oof. we'll just Oof. we'll leave it at that. Um, only thing I'd see with Castillo last year that I don't like was the ground ball rate for some reason it's gone so two years ago the ground ball rate and really early on in castillo's career it was in that like elite tier of upper 50s 58 percent, 57 percent in 2020 and 2021 that dropped to 47 and then 39 percent last year so um i'm not sure if that's just him throwing fewer change-ups if that's pitch mix induced or not but I don't know. I mean, honestly, man, I'm kind of nitpicking like everything else look great. And the stability uh, volume and the team situation is, is, is all good for Mr. Castillo. Yep. It's a steady Eddie workhorse. And it felt like forever. It was always Castillo or no look Castillo. Cause they both had whip issues and this, that, and the other. And yeah. yeah. I think it's still a great conversation point. That's all I have to say. Cause well, let's see where Castillo's ADP is. That might actually help this conversation point. Castillo's ADP is 31, so he's going well ahead of Aaron Nola right now. So, so he's right next to Wheeler. They flip, they basically, mm-hmm. yeah, they, Castillo and Nola basically flip spots in the up from last year. And you ADP. go Wheeler Castillo next year. Whew, that's a turn. That's a turn. Real nice. Max Freed, 68 ADP, 19th off the board, finished 55th, 255 ERA, 1-1-3 whip, only 80 Ks because he only threw 77 innings, almost 78 innings. Injuries shut him down for quite a while. The stuff when he was on the mound, that was the guy you expected. That's all I'm going to say, but he just couldn't stay healthy. Yeah, and it's a little concerning because it's the He's forearm. Young. Yep. It's the forearm. Like he had two forearm strain IL stints, 115 days on the IL uh, for Max Freed. Yet still, like you said, had had the numbers. Um, he just 
kind of freaks me out of uh with the, with that with that forearm i just that's 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 an f word for pitching yep that is not good at all you know what else isn't good at all alec manoa yeah. no. 68 uh, adp so here you go freed 68 manoa 68 we'll get to zach gallon who was 72nd um so that's a fun one for you as well but manoa at 68 finished 20 or 20th off the board finished 239 and we know the rest is history so i have nothing else on alec manoa oh like that was tough yeah, brutal. Brutal stuff for Mr. Manola, Manoa. But what wasn't bru- uh, brutal is Zach Gallen. Again, ADP of 72, 21st pitcher off the board, finished fourth at the position, best finisher in the 16 through 30 range, 3470 RA, 1-1-2 whip, 220 on the strikeout number. And the other number that counts a lot, 210 innings pitched. That is ridiculous. That is good for second best in baseball behind a San Francisco Giants, who we'll talk about later. And Zach Gallon won the NL Cy Young. So, um, absolute beast. I've always been a Gallon fan. Did I think he was this good? No, but I thought he was like kind of just a boring, like, you know, guy that can get the job done. So, I'm, I'm very impressed. It's going to be tough to uh, pay his ADP of 39 next year, though. Yeah. That's so that's what, like, I don't know. Like he had a career. I think this was his career year, and it was a hell of a year. And he's a good pitcher. Uh, he's a really good pitcher. I don't. I don't see willing, how he gets through twenty strikeouts. I'd be willing again. to say last season might have been his career year. To be honest, outside of the win differential. Yeah, that's true. It's true. Last year the ratios were way better. better. It's funny. So, <laughs> damn man. So remember what I just said about Max Free forearm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Zach Gallen. We just mentioned the last two seasons for Zach Gallen. 2022 and 2023 as debatable career years. Guess what he had in 2021? Forearm strain. Yep. Like, I don't know. And we we talked to is Pablo Lopez on this, or he's probably next Thursday. Uh, he had the two years ne- of yeah, shoulder issues in a week. row and then yep. did it next week. So, like, I know people tune in, you know, maybe for our friendly banter, maybe for our um our insights. <laughs> And I don't know if people like when I say this is so hard to predict starting pitching. It's just like, how how could, I don't know, how could you see this from Zach Gallen in 20, based on what we saw in 2021 forum issues? And same for like a Pablo Lopez. Well, uh, I, I think, mentioned Spencer Strider earlier too, with 187 innings, more than Alcantara. I think you can't beat yourself up for that though, because it's a combination of like, Okay, DeGrom, you, you knew better. Woodruff, you could have known better. McClanahan was a ticking time bomb. So, like, you're right on those ones. The same could have been said for Pablo Lopez because I know I was out on him because the shoulder concerns. Like, what, what are we doing? And he shocked the world. Like, awesome, great stuff. But, like, I think as, as long as the process, like, is consistent, I'm not saying right or wrong, but consistent, that's all you can really do to, to prepare yourself. Because if you start – like picking and choosing whenever you want, then there's no process, more of a biasy situation. Exactly. So if your process, if your process is there, that's all that really matters. So you can't beat yourself up over it because in theory, like you and I are both not really, we're more like risk adverse people. That's just how we draft. So if we see these concerns, like you're not going to draft max free next year. And literally it's play a coin toss. Is it going to work out great? Or is it not? We don't know, but I guarantee if you have that same philosophy over like seven or eight pitchers, you're probably going to be okay. Yeah. And actually, the interesting that's that, that's really well said. Yeah, I probably won't take Freed. I'll end up with Manoa next. <laughs> we <laughs> how it goes. But no, I do remember the Gallon thing. So while you were talking, I do remember 
because I think I did a board on this. We talked about this a couple years ago. He did have the forearm thing, but that was the first half of 2020. Yeah, he finished the season healthy. In the second half, he was one of the, I think, leaders in innings pitch. He led innings pitch. I remember that was a big like talking point from your boards. Like that was big in the offseason. And so it's maybe it is like, you know, it's are you healthy? Like, what have you done for me lately? It's like, what are you healthy now? And I look at like to bring this back to who we just talked about with Max Freed. Like Max Freed did throw what fifty two innings in August and September combined plus the, plus, at plus a two seventy nine ERA. Plus the postseason when he pitched, he was fine. I, I think so. I think a lot to it is the degree of forearm strains. Like, is it one where it's torn, or is it just like it's a strain, so it's sore? Let's let it like let's let the you know the hurt muscle calm down, like a hamstring strain. It's not a tear. It's a strain. I think that's like we hear forearm strain because most of the time that means Tommy John. But literally, it might just be like, hey, my forearm tightened up. Like, I just need to let it chill. Like, that sure. could be so. And that, and, but we don't know that because no team's telling that's us that. That's the, I was just going to say that. Like, we don't. So, yeah, we're grouping all strains together, but like, exactly. what else are we supposed to do? <laughs> it'd be not, it'd be nice if like when they do the hamstring, it's like a grade one, two, or three. Can we get that for forearms maybe? But uh, mm-hmm. would it really matter? No, because we'd hear still hear forearm and be like, nope, not doing it. But um, yeah, that, I think that's the thing with the forearms. Like the more these teams kind of have access to technology and everything, like the gallon thing could have been a perfect example. Like it was early in the season, didn't feel right on the mound or whatever. Cool. Because he even he left the starter two last year, like the fourth or fifth inning, because like he felt like a like a tweak or something. I remember for, with gallon for a fact, and he came back and was just, no, didn't miss a start, nothing. So, yeah, just, we're not doctors. We just podcast twice a week. We just we just ask questions and don't and try to answer them. But exactly, varying uh, degrees of success. We try. You Darvish, seventy six pitcher or seventy six ADP, twenty second pitcher off the board, finished seventy seventh at the position. And this is a tough one. Four five six ERA, one three WHIP, one hundred forty one Ks. Only 136 innings. Those injuries, there's a lot of factors. Dude's getting old. I still believe there's something good there with you, Darvish, but the part that's good is really disappearing quickly is the problem with you, Darvish. Yeah, I just see, not to sound like a broken record, but these are the things that I, I mean, it's a steady decline the last three years in strikeout rate and swinging strike. Like it, that that's not good. Um, I don't know where the 195 innings came from. Last year, again, on my diatribe on pitcher injuries here, like, what the hell was that? Uh, went back down to what I would think more with you, Darvish, with 136 innings this year. It'll be 37 next year. Uh, given given the age, given the uh, pretty lengthy history, injury history over Darvish's career with that slide in dominance, that slide in, in strikeout and swinging strike, I'm, I'm sure the price is cheaper. But uh, oh. so it's easy to say I'll probably be out, but I just don't have much faith, especially early in draft season where you're doing draft and holds and gladiators and that sort of thing. Like you Darvish and gladiator, like that's not the first no. comp that comes to mind. DC ADP 224. God, that's cheap. Yeah, he's going around the likes of Brian Bayo, Brendan Fought, Andrew Abbott, Taj Bradley, Emmett Sheehan. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're gonna start. You're gonna get the itch here pretty soon. The you're me, you're looking, yeah, as weird as it says, you're giving me the you. itch. It's starting. Yeah. Yep. Come back. All right, the 23rd pitcher off the board with an ADP of 80 finished 16th overall. That's Framber Valdez. 
three four five ERA, one one three WHIP, two hundred strikeouts and one hundred ninety eight innings pitched, back to back years of almost two hundred innings. Uh, it was kind of a fall towards the end of the season for Framber Valdez. You know, he he threw that was was it a perfect game? Right, there was no hitter uh, no that hitter. he threw. Yep. But um, things fell apart quickly. I would say towards the end of the season, um, and I don't know, just it it wasn't as great as it started out. Let's put it that way. So, what's your thoughts on Framber? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't too bad at the end of the year. Like he had a sub It's rough. Yeah. Yeah, he had a sub four ERA in August and September. It was July, like crushed him. July was death. A seven twenty nine ERA, one sixty two WHIP. Over and all four your teams starts. took it. And all your teams took it. That's the and problem. all your team. Yes, because Framber was an auto start. I had Framber in in the main. Um, yes, the second half skill slide is kind of troublesome, kind of worrisome, but. No real sign of injury. Velocity was down a little bit, but had some more whiffs in the second half. The weird thing with Framber, I mentioned this a couple times. Um, it's ground ball rate. Right? Like as you as you get into the fifties, it's really helpful. As you get to the upper fifties to the sixties, it's like uberly helpful. And Framber in the second half, uh, from first to second half, went from fifty seven percent ground ball, which is that like that's when you really start getting rewards. Uh, down to 52 and so like if that ground ball rate stays in the 50s like that's it's still really good but framber needs that to be back more where it was the previous two seasons when it was 70 percent and 67 percent leading the league in um in ground ball rate so don't know if it's just like an arsenal tweak or something that he does need to do to get the ball back on the ground he obviously has shown the ability to do that for a long stretch of time so um, just kind of as I'm talking through it, I'm not too worried about Framber for next year. He's an innings machine, he's a quality start machine, and probably on that team a win machine uh, in yeah. 2024. I just remember the biggest like bummer with Framber Valdez is especially for like doing second half like underdog drafts, like the, the smart, smart people, way smarter than me that were analyzing schedules. Framber had the easiest schedule out of like any pitcher on the board. And uh, it did not pan out that way. So in the like, in the second half, he had one of the easier, or just in general. Yeah, in the second half, like if you're doing the, the post All Star underdog drafts, like some of those guys are analyzing like not best, true. you know, pitching matchups, best like stacks for hitters and stuff. Framber rated out very well, and it did not pan out so well. So that was the the bummer with Framber, but that's the breaks we do. Joe Musgrove, he twenty uh, fourth pitcher off the board, finished forty eight three hundred five one one four ninety seven when healthy was great. Wasn't healthy enough, though, only 97 innings pitched. No miss the start of the season with the broken toe. Then he has had other issues throughout the season. It sucks because he sits around and drafts for a while, and I'm always tempted to take him because he is really good when he's on the mound. I just don't know his health situation right now. Yeah, and it it the timing also sucks. Like Musgrove was hitting his groove. Started terrible. Like his first two starts in April had more earned runs and in innings. Um, in July, the dude had five starts, 36 Ks, five walks, a 145 ERA. Like things were things were going, and then the shoulder. So um, I do say, like, watch the reports on Musgrove, but we don't. Can we trust the reports? I, I yeah. at least in big drafts, I got to see him in spring training before I'm putting down even mid rotation draft capital on on Musgrove because uh yeah I mean it could pay off the skills I think are still are still there and still good but shoulders man worse than forearms yep definitely this was a tough part of the draft because after Framber he had 
Musgrove injury yeah. problems. Tristan McKenzie finished 212 due to injuries. Robbie Ray, 219, obviously an injury. So he had a, a three-pack there, which stunk. And then if you ever this if you avoided that landmine, George Kirby was 27th pitcher off the board at ADP at 96, finished 11th at the position. 335 ERA, 1-0-4 whip. To find a 1-0-4 whip with 190 innings pitched near ADP of 100 is amazing. 172 Ks. Kirby was him, as the kids say, when it comes to value in the draft. So I know you're a Kirby guy. What do you got on him? Yeah, I'm a Kirby guy, but I think like it sounds like everyone's a Kirby guy because well, George Kirby's like very expensive. Yeah. yeah. Very, very expensive. Um, I forget which pitcher we were talking about before with whip uh nola Zara nola. nola with the 115 whip uh the most underappreciated category in pitchers and because george kirby literally does not walk anybody like the walk rate doubled almost from two percent to three percent from first half to second half um you're basically locking in an elite whip probably a pretty good era and even the strikeouts, like the knock on George Kirby is a low strikeout rate. He had 172 strikeouts. Yeah, that's still pretty solid. Like that's that's good. So, and then he, you yeah. look at the second half, like in the season, he started throwing a split finger more. In the second half, the whiff rate went up three points, which is which is huge. Um, I mean, I can see why George Kirby. I think he's fully priced, but I can see why. Like, yeah. there's so much to like. Yeah, I like him quite a bit. If I have to be a play contrarian, it might be better off for the preview show. It's the Sandy thing to me. It's he's an accumulator. He has to have the innings to make it work. But he, I, th- I think that's, there's more. That's to, fair. I, no, that's I, fair. I think there's just more to work with with Kirby. Watching his like the splitter and stuff like that. I think you can make an argument for that. But at the same time, again, if he's not going deep, or if he has a rough outing, or you know gets batted to death, that all changes real quickly, real quickly. So, yep. my only concern. Uh, next pitcher off the board, another fun one here. Tyler Glass now, 105 ADP, 28th pitcher off the board, finished 31st at the position. 353 ERA, 108 whip, 162 Ks in 120 innings, a career high for Tyler Glass. He had 10 fewer strikeouts and 70 fewer innings than George Kirby. So there's my <laughs> like comparison thing is do you want to take the guy that's you know he's pretty darn elite and he might have a blow from time to time or Kirby who has to accumulate? That's the fun discussion point for me when you're doing drafts. But with Glasnow also, Kirby's been durable. Glasnow is not. So which is, we're not doing that right now. That's a review show. What's your thoughts on Tyler Glasnow? I think you're pretty happy if you drafted Glasnow and you got the 31st overall. Now, see, I'll take pitcher. the L on him because I was I was scared yeah. with injuries. Oh, same. Same. Um, and again, these I don't think we mentioned this during the show, but these rankings are uh, – the end of season ranks are from uh, Razball – I was pulling up its pitch mix because there was a big change in ground ball rate for Glass now, and he threw a lot more sliders. Maybe that's why. Uh, ground ball rate jumped from forty five percent in twenty twenty one up to fifty one percent. He's in that he's in that fifty range, uh, like I mentioned with Framber. <laughs> the difference is Tyler Glass now over a full season could strike out two hundred fifty guys. Like he is that good. Um, it's the same question that, you know, we had entering the season though, is what, what does that innings total look like? Um, 120 innings last year. Like it's kind of more than I thought he had. That's, that's pretty yeah, good. I was surprised when I pulled it up. I did not think he got there. So like, who's to say that glass now can't again, going back to our discussion before about, um, 
Gallon and Max Freed and finishing healthy. Who's to say Glass now who finished strong, finished healthy, can't go to from 120 to 150 or 160 if that happens? Like, yeah, look out, man. It's fair. I know I'm scared. I'm scared to take that. Oh, chair, yeah, me but, too. Me too. But, He's never done it before. But no, but I think there's, I can't remember. I, 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 it's back to last season, but someone was tweeting out like towards the end of the year. It's like, like a month ago. Um, yeah, well, last season, a month ago, that um, something like per game stats, he was by far like the best in baseball type thing based on his 21 starts. Like it was DeGrom esque type stuff. Like he was the same, if not better, than Spencer Strider type situations. It was some pretty crazy yeah. stats, which makes sense if you think about it. Like you really start breaking it down. Like, yeah, he's pretty damn good if you, if you look at it all. So I guess we'll have to see if he gets traded, where to, all those kind of things. But for now, on the review, Pretty darn good if you took that gamble. Uh, Hunter Green, 29th off the board, finished 117, 482 ERA, 142 whip, 152 on the strikeouts. The Ks were great. Uh, ratio sucked. Great American small park injuries. 112 innings pitched. I'm still terrified of Hunter Green. Yeah, it's kind. Of, I think we're going to have like the same conversation we had last year. It's like this, it, there are there are pieces. There are pieces, but the context around those pieces uh, has improved slightly. Like the Reds had a pretty good year and have, should give them some run support, but um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You like, there's just, there's that sign. So there's that September 20th game, Hunter green against Minnesota, seven innings, one walk, 14 strikeouts. And then there's other, you know, a month before that he gave up five walks, two starts before that he gave up four walks. Like, I don't know what, what we're getting with the guy. Ceiling's high, but like, I don't know, inconsistent. Yep. I'm with you. So I'll just kind of avoid that train. And I'd rather go to the next guy. The Oh, yeah. Look at this guy. I didn't even notice that at the end. There's Bubba getting happy. The NL Cy Young Award, the major league leader in innings pitched this season with 216 innings pitched. He uh, was the 30th pitcher off the board with a 110 ADP, the same as Hunter Green, by the way. And he finished 12th at the starting pitching position with a 325 ERA, a 107 whip, and 194 strikeouts. Kind of Kirby-esque if we really want to get into all of this. And this is after a 2.9 ERA in 2022 and a 303 ERA in 2021. And that is the one, the only Logan Webb, everybody. Put some respect on his name, please. Well done. I got nothing to follow that up with. Dude's a beast, man. Yep, I was all in on web. I took a lot of back and forth conversations last week, not from you, but from other people. Oh, you can't strike guys out. Well, this is where I will be honest, and people hate hearing this. Watching games once in a while does help because when you watch Logan Webb, he is a pitcher. He can strike out guys when he wants to. And I mentioned it, I think, last year on our preview show, his pitch mix adjustments towards the end of last season carried into more pitch mix adjustments this season, and it made him a different pitcher. Problem is that could revert, obviously, because it just takes a rough game here and there, a BABIP change, whatever, similar to my Kirby comments. But I think Logan Webb is an outstanding pitcher of the game, and he showcased it in a big way this last year. Threw a ton more change-ups. Yep, pitch mix change, baby. Yep, interesting. Yep. So we'll see how that carries over. I'd be, I'm, I'm curious to see how his spring goes to see if he – because he was developing a pitch at the end of 2022, and just there's a million different little things for him. So I'm curious to see where it keeps going. All right, any final thoughts on the starting pitchers? You mentioned the things you kind of saw early on. 
anything else before we head on to some listener questions because to me we, we talked about like you know the top end and then scattered around to me it's just pockets of adp debates and how that went for you because it got dicey quick at certain spots yeah i think those are my two big takeaways was a what, what you just talked about those those individual player debates uh which are important to have because the difference in getting that right and wrong is massive and then b um that 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 what I brought up at the top of the show that top for fifteen versus the next fifteen I think that was a one off like usually the top fifteen is a lot better have not looked too much at the starting pitcher ADP for twenty twenty four but it'll be interesting to see if that uh, trend continues because if it does like it makes a ton of sense to just load up on bats your first few rounds and then volume this next uh this next group so i don't especially know if, especially if you're doing our hitting reviews and notice you know like every position the exactly top, like, five to yep. ten guys just get the big dogs and then pepper the pitching later no that's a great tie-in to our hitter stuff because that i mean that that was the roadmap to success in 2023 will it be in 24 i don't know but like it, it sounds good to me like your first three rounds you could have got elite hitters and it went like zach wheeler Kevin Gossman, Zach Gallon, somewhere in that combination of like two or three guys with George Kirby in there. Even if you got three of those guys, like if you just waited and went boom, 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 like, oh my God. <laughs> now, you know, like that, it's called hitting the nuts in gambling, but that's kind of how, that's how you have to win some of these things. So, and then, the and then Alec Manoa hit your nuts as well. But... You lost your nuts with that one. Um, all right. A couple listener questions before we head on out here. Our buddy Colin My Shot, aka the artist formerly known as Little Book right. Tom, the rebrand has questions for us here. Not to derail the pitching talk too much, but as you noted on all the hitting review pods, the top end picks at every position panned out at surprisingly high rates. I'd love to hear you guys speculate on whether that's due to number one, projections being more accurate, accessible, and commonly used in draft prep. Two, the increasing length of draft season where November DC's gladiators helped to really solidify the top players by March. Three, frankly, just a really lucky year that is unlikely to repeat in 2024. Honestly, I think one and two work together. Yeah, probably. It's and we're seeing like I had if I had to lead one, probably two, but like I think one and two do work together. Um Draft season just so it gets earlier and earlier and earlier every year. And Matt Cedarholm wrote wrote a piece on this in the forecaster. It's just this what we call the anchoring effect of ADPs and how yes, ADPs do change when you, once you get to main event drafts, but all draft season we hear about is how these early ADPs, uh, you know, what they are, and they can they can anchor each other and affect that. So um, I don't know. I I don't. I'd actually lean two and three as opposed to one. I'm not sure how much more accurate the projections are than what they used to be. I, I don't just, think they're all that accurate at all, uh, to I, be I honest. But the reason I think one and two work together is because he mentions how the projections are used in draft prep. So using the draft, yeah, prep that's true. ADP. Like, so that's I think true. it's kind of a most most people nowadays have their you know, they enter their projections. It spits out their numbers and all these things and. Those are the guys doing a lot of drafts, if that makes sense. So that's that's where I, I think it is, given these early DCs and gladiators don't have a ton of projections unless you create your own. So a kind of, you know, yin and yang situation. But, yeah, I think there's, I think there's correlations. If you had to pick just one, I would see two. It's probably the answer. But I think one leads into two at some point in time. I mean, my thoughts. All right, we have another question from Colin, my shot. 
Uh, I don't know which. Okay, a list of starting pitchers from 2021 to 2023 with over 400 innings pitched and an ERA less than three. Max Fried, Max Scherzer, Shohei Otani. How did he not make the list? I just took him up because he was okay. drafted as a hitter. I just That's fine. I That's fine. Him. I'm just making sure. I might as well bring it up before someone says it later. Uh, Corbin Burns. Freed is projected to be the be 11th in ERA, 185 innings pitched for, for Atlanta, ADP of 69. SP 18 right now. Is this too low? This goes back to do you believe he's healthy or not? Yeah. If yeah. he goes 185 innings, he is too low. Yes. That's my two yes. cents. Because if he goes 185, 80, 185 innings, he'll probably get 18 wins on that team. The wins, he gets about 165, so. 70 Ks, and the ratios will be outstanding. Yep. That's Max Fried. I think there was a response to that tweet that brought up the forearm or somewhere yeah. around there in, in, yeah. in Twitter. And, and I mean, it just I don't want to rehash what I just said about Freed, but uh, but I'm starting to come around a little bit just talking through it in that the end of the season he looked he looked healthy. good and healthy. So that matters. That matters. And then he says, please forgive the George Kirby slander. Whoa. The, ste- the steamer projections, Kirby has an ADP of 44, has 191 innings pitched, 360 ERA, 112 whip, and 184 Ks. We're free to ADP of 69, has 185 innings, 356 ERA, 123 whip, and 177 Ks. Why is there a 25-pick gap, especially with Freed on the much better team and with this exceptional track record of success? I'm going to say it's just because of the injury concern, personally. Right. Which in probably theme of the show. And that, I mean, that is why it's the yeah. perceived volume. Um, how did that perceived volume work out for drafters between Strider and Sandy last year? So, yep. like, again, I don't have the answers. I'm just raising more questions. But, um, like, could Max Freed blow Kirby out of the water next year? Oh, yeah. Could, would anybody be surprised? Not crazy. Not terrible. Yeah. Nick Davies says, I'm curious what the range in numbers were with one group to the next. Like, obviously, Manoa would be the bottom of the next 15, but was there a tighter range of the pitchers between 1 through 15 than 16 through 30 where paying up makes sense? Um, I think you kind of covered it, Bubba, in terms of there were just like little mini pockets throughout. Like, so if I'd look at the top 10 starting pitchers, uh, only two of those top 10 finished in the top 15. So like really your top 10 kind of sucked. You had, you had Burns, Cole Strider who were Cole and Strider were obviously great, but that meat of the top 10, Sandy, DeGrom, Woodruff, Nola, McClanahan, Cease, like that was a bad bad place. Um so if I split that, you know, I mentioned those stats at the beginning of the show, the top for 15 versus the next 15. If I even took like, I mean I know it's cherry picking, but starting pitchers 4 through 10 did this and starting pitchers what 16 through 21 did this that 16 through 21 group was gossman castillo gallon yes manoa was in there but um i don't know it's just hard always hard to pick and choose those kind of arbitrary cutoffs yeah it's uh not the easiest to do especially with such diverse pitching let's put it that way so it yeah. makes it really tricky uh, and then Dave Sawa says, can you make this sad Cardinals fan happy by saying something nice about Lance Lynn or Kyle Gibson? Nah, I didn't think so either. Well, they'll, they'll be on the next episode. Both of them should be just guessing off the top of my head. So yeah, we'll have a lot to say. I assume we'll see some Cardinal red next to uh, Lance Lynn's name on the, on the board next episode. But you, I, but you, I don't even know. He might, Miles Mikolas, I'll give you, I'll give you something positive. 
Miles Mikolas finished fourth in innings pitched at 201.1. He's one of only five pitchers to do over 200 innings last year. I'll only say when Lance, only 137 strikeouts, though. <laughs> positive with Lance Lynn is just just watch him after he strikes someone out to end the inning. It's pretty yeah. beautiful. He's a beast specimen. It's joy. Yeah. Absolute joy. What else is an absolute joey is another episode in the books, Mr. Bloomfield. So next episode, Thursday night, 1130 Eastern, 830 Pacific time, give or take. Uh, we'll have SP2, so 31 through yep. 60. So any other thoughts before we head on out of here and wrap up the show? 31 through 60, and then we'll throw the breakouts on there and talk about those guys at the end. But no, no more thoughts. I got to gotta get ready for this. Gladiator, shark-filled gladiator coming yep. up in nine days. We're going to be little minnows in the shark-filled pond. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be great. It's okay. It's okay. Oh, I ain't scared because I'll talk so much trash if it works out. So it'll be fun. I don't plan on it working out, but I'm not scared. I'll say that one time. I saw Jaldi's in the YouTube chat that night just so we can have some fun with him. But uh, we'll see. That's a little over a week away. We got to see you guys on Thursday. Make sure you check out Ryan on Twitter at RyanBHQ, the podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod. I'm at BDN. Check this is Bubba the Bloom, episode 86. Catch you all next time.